This is Corolla Digital. Hello, my little crocs of onion soup. It's me, Allison. How's it going? Before the show officially starts, we have time to say a few things. Um, hello, Gary. Hey, Allison. What they don't know, but you know and I know, is something that just happened, which is I was sitting here flapping my gums for what seemed like, like, I don't know, hours. It was three minutes and 25 seconds. Okay, good thing you caught, you, you, how do you know that? I was recording it. I deleted it, but I saw the timer. You recorded me flapping my gums? I was, I was (laughs) checking levels. I know. When someone this expert speaks into a microphone, it makes sense to keep a record of it. Anyway, and you just sat there being totally delightful and making conversation with me. um, And then you said that someone is actually waiting to give you a ride and that we should start. And then I felt bad that this whole time we're, we're whole, it's just a person punisher though, but we're I, holding him up. Well, I felt bad because, uh, you know, he may be listening to us and, uh, I wanted, you know, I just wanted to want him to know that I had his back covered, but I'm not going to cut you off yeah. because you were asking me questions about a subject that interests me. And I was trying to be helpful. Mm-hmm. Sex. <laughs> not really cars and by the way if my fiance leaves me it will be because i all i talk about is cars and the decision of which car to get these days and i'm sure i'm sure like you know what his eyes glaze over before i even open my mouth that's not true he's actually been very patient but i'm sick of hearing myself talk about it but here's the thing when i make decisions it gets bad before a decision is made I, I drive myself and everyone crazy. Although I don't think I'm driving you guys, the Not listeners. Well, you know what it is? I mean, thank you. I think that a car is such a big purchase that it makes sense that I would be really debating it. Because I don't want to. Oh, yeah. I don't want to. The listeners don't know this, but you remember when I turned into a monster for like four days once I had finally made the decision and I couldn't get people to answer my phone calls. Like I was ready to buy it and I couldn't get anyone to take my money. You raised your voice at me one day. I did. <laughs> it was. Uh, I felt badly. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, it's tough. It's a, it's an infuriating process, especially really when is. you well, have so to what do all I was, the legwork. What I was bitching about to Gary before was the fact that when you go to a dealership, the salespeople do not know anything about the cars that they're selling, and I don't mean I'm. I'm not even asking some kind of specific question like. You know, what is the RPM at 60 miles an hour or what is the torque or whatever? And by the way, I know what torque is now. I've read some equations. But anyway, I'm not even talking about that. I'm just talking about asking a question like, oh, does this car come with this option? They don't even know that. And that frustrates the fuck out of me. Yeah. And uh, I can attest that the particular company you were complaining about, I've had experience with. And their, their salespeople are not knowledgeable. So it ends up with you doing three months of research on your own. And then you can't get somebody to just sell you what you want. Oh, I forgot. This happened when I walked in. Let's just say who it is, because I don't think I'm going to get a car there. Because uh, for this reason, perhaps, it was BMW. And by the way, I don't think I'm a BMW person. I don't think that's where I'm going to get a car. But anyway, I just want a car that's fun to drive, though. So anyway, I went in, and I said I'd like to to test drive a car. And the woman said, oh, do you have an appointment? And I said, no, I don't. And then finally someone came out. However, I didn't know they don't accept walk-ins. They do. Where, I mean, they do. Which, which but, one'd you go to? Um, the Beverly Hills, but it's not oh, actually in Beverly Hills. That one's got it. See, I've heard Santa Monica's the worst. Those are both really bad. North Hollywood. Okay. That's your spot. Yeah, I Good feel people. like service and sales. They they make you feel as if they don't give a flying fuck whether they help you at all and whether you buy a car there or not. And I don't think that's the truth, 
but they certainly don't make you feel like they care about your business or you. They leave you waiting quite a bit. Yeah. And that's a tough feeling when you're trying to hand somebody... A lot of money. A lot of money. Yeah. I realize, listeners, thank you guys for putting up with this. I realize listening to someone deliberate over a car decision, it's probably, it's hard to uh, be on that person's side because it's like, just shut up, you, with your trying to spend money somewhere. So, you know what? Fuck me. Let's hear it. Hey, 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 go fuck yourself. I needed that. I think we have an iTunes comment of the week. Allison wants your iTunes comments. Allison wants them. Yes, she does. Please leave her some iTunes comments. And don't forget to click five stars. I just can't decide what criteria... <laughs> I don't like what happens to my voice when I get in that mood. I just can't decide what criteria to use. Because in each car, I'm sacrificing something. Like, there's... Well, in this car, I like the interior, but I don't... And I like the, you know, I like the car and I like the feeling, but I don't like the steering. Or in this one, I like the steering, but I don't like the turning radius. Or this one, I like the this, but I don't like this. So I don't know whether to just go with like what makes me happiest just when I think about it, or the one that has the least, where I don't really feel like I'm sacrificing anything. Unfortunately, that is BMW, and fuck them. The former bit. is the answer. You go with the one that makes you the happiest when you're thinking about it. I see. I feel like I haven't exactly found. I've. I may have come close to finding that one, but I feel like I just need to sit in more cars until all of a sudden – or drive more cars until all of a sudden I have that feeling of, oh, my God, I could own this. That's so exciting. I covet this. I want this. Yeah. And I haven't really well, had that feeling yet. Yes, but you need to adjust it a little bit to – it can't be this is perfect and this is exactly what I want. It right. has to be this is clearly the best of all the options weighing in the give and takes. I guess I just need to keep test driving then until I feel that. Um, I, someone recently asked me if I had test driven the Cadillac ATS, and I said no. That one – oh, boy, we're really hunkering down in the car talk. Sorry, guys. This is like t- 20 more seconds. I don't know if you're f- familiar with that car, Gary. That one is rated really highly. I have this thing, though, which is me in a Cadillac? I don't think so. Um, I don't know. I, 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 well, who cares, though, if it's a good car and it makes me happy? My Cadillac drives a Cadillac. I know there, there, okay. there are a lot of there's one person there there are a lot of nice it's really Cadillacs weird these days. I know it's really weird how much like where are the people who have Cadillacs because I don't ever see them on the road yeah is it more is it not the coast I feel coast? like I feel like there's a if you look at it there's probably a disproportionate number of people on the coast who don't buy American cars yeah maybe that's what it is I feel like that's more of a it's just snobbiness yeah I mean. I don't know. My uncle works in the automotive industry and gave me a ton of shit when I bought a BMW. Really? Maybe I could make it up to him by go. buying a Cadillac ATS. If I tell him it was my idea, then yeah, maybe I'd get out of the doghouse. Okay. All right. iTunes comment. All right. This week's iTunes comment comes from Haley Potter, and it is uh, titled, I finally figured out why I haven't rated ARIYNBF yet. I've been listening to ARIYNBF for months now and always loved hearing the iTunes comment of the week segment. I would hear it every time and tell myself I need to go rate this amazing podcast, but never did. Until now. I had an epiphany while listening today and realized it was because I didn't want my review to be read as insincere or forced in some sad attempt to have my comment aired. Well, I decided to let this fear go and declare to the world how much I love this show. Thank you. I was always a huge Adam Carolla fan, but for some reason the spinoff podcast never really interested me. Until one day, I heard Dr. Drew, my silver fox, I feel that. talking about being on Allison's show. So I downloaded the episode and have been hooked ever since. 
I have always been obsessed with comparing my thoughts, mannerisms, habits, and feelings to others. Me too! Allison takes this idea and runs with it in every interview, which breeds an openness and comfort with guests that evokes hilarious, informal conversation that you can't find anywhere else. More than just being downright entertaining, I feel like this show also explores the human psyche. I have personally learned so much about myself and others through listening because it compels you to think about how you would react in situations and consider how your fellow man would as well. I've brought up topics from the show to friends, and it always stimulates great debate. Thank you, Allison, Gary, Matt, and Chris, for all the laughs and thought-provoking discussion. You have a devoted listener for life. I love you. Gary, don't you that love is, that, that is person? very nice. Yeah. Thank you. That is... Um, thank you, Haley. I, yeah, thank you, Haley. I am touched and uh, tickled, and I didn't think it was insincere at all. No, neither did I. You know what's interesting? People who are sincere and whose heart are in the right place are the ones who oftentimes worry that they're going to be coming across as insincere or worry that they've accidentally offended someone versus the people who are insincere and offensive never seem to be concerned with it. Yeah, I think that's true. I feel like they're probably not listening, though. For the most part, I, another comment that I got recently, which maybe will be a 19th comment of the week soon, will be just about how this is like the nicest show with the nicest people and the nicest guests. And I think probably the nicest listeners. Yeah, I think that's very true. Yeah, We're nice. We're delightful. That's who we are. And we're more than that. We're more than nice and delightful. We're also funny. We're also charming. I don't know who or I'm talking to anymore, and I don't know what I'm talking about. So I am going to just tell you guys that Mary Catherine Ham. well, I was going to explain how I know her, but if you listen to the episode, you will find out how I know her, um, was my guest on this episode, and she's great, and it's really fun. Uh, it was especially, it was really fun just in general, but it was especially cool because she has been a longtime fan of the show, so uh, that's always that's always thrilling and flattering. Um, and uh, and here is the episode. I think you will love it. And also, I wanted to tell you guys about our good friends over at GoToMeeting. I love GoToMeeting. They, they are my favorite. Well, they – can I say they're my favorite sponsor? I think I just did. They're definitely – one of my, they're all my favorites, but that's how much I love go to meeting. Um, oh, it's hot. It is beautiful weather, but you still have to work. But you don't necessarily have to go into the office, even though people are telling you you have to go into the office. Because with GoToMeeting, you can meet with them face-to-face from the comfort of your computer or your home or your special island. Perhaps Jamaica is your island. You can meet from your coffee house anywhere where you have a computer or you can do it with your iPad or your iPhone. And you can see each other in crystal clear HD quality and you can collaborate on documents with one button you can give someone else Uh, control of your computer. You can share your screen. You can work on documents. Anything that you can do face-to-face, you can do with GoToMeeting, and it frees up your time and just... It's just so good for your psyche to not have to haul your buns into some crappy office, perhaps the crappy office where you work. That's usually the one where you have to haul your buns into. Um, Gary and I use it, and we're always amazed at how just how great it is. And I've said it before and I always feel ridiculous when I say say it, but I'm going to say it again. Um, after I have a meeting with someone on GoToMeeting and then 
you know, when, when we end the meeting and we just go back to email, I always feel a little bit lonely because I, that's how much I felt like I was really spending time with them and getting stuff done. Uh, it's how I like to do biz- business because it is very effective. Try GoToMeeting free for 30 days. For this special offer, visit GoToMeeting.com, click the Try It Free button, and use the promo code Allison. Remember, the promo code is Allison. Uh, with go to meeting, meeting is believing. Okay, you guys, I love you. Here is the episode. Allison Rosen, Allison Rosen is your new best friend. Allison, Allison, with perfect good times never end. Allison Rosen, do we need to dance again? Allison Rosen, Allison's your new best friend. Hey, everyone. Hi. Hello. It is me, Allison, and I'm here with conservative but somewhat libertarian pundit Mary Catherine Ham. Welcome. Thank you very much. Glad it's, to be here. It's very exciting to have you on the show. Now, when, in the parking lot when you came up, you said it's nice to meet you in person, which answered the question I was trying to figure out as to whether we had actually met in person because we've done Red Eye together. That's how we know yes. each other. I don't think we had met in person before. I think we had been on Red Eye by remote. Right. And when I started listening to Adam Carolla's show, I thought this chick is funny. And then I looked you up and I was like, I think I might know her. And then I put it together. So yes. very cool to be here. And I love your show. Thank so. you. I love that you love my show. <laughs> um, so w- when we used to be on remote on Red Eye, though, you were – where were you based? D.C.? D.C. Okay. And is that still and where still you live? Am. Yes. I'm just taking a vacay out here, a working vacay right. out in California. <laughs> yeah. After this, you're going to host a radio show in Orange County, right? Yes, correct. The <sighs> Hugh Hewitt show, which is sort of on the, the – di- it's – akin to the Dennis Prager show, sort of conservative politics. Mm-hmm. And are you are you filling in? Yes. You He's are. on vacation for the week, so I'm host of the show, co-host with a friend of mine. So mm-hmm. that's And you have a lot of radio experience, right? Yes. I used to do a morning radio show in D.C. from 5 to 9 wow. every morning, which uh, not waking up at 3 is <laughs> awesome. And so I'm glad I've moved on, but it was a great experience. I really enjoyed it. What was that show? Uh, it was called – it was just the morning show, and it changed names like three times. <laughs> but uh, it was with the local sort of talk radio show. And uh, it was a lot of fun. You get to do a little bit more than politics if you do morning radio because people don't want to wake up to yelling about politics. <laughs> so that part I appreciated. Actually, the other day I was in my car, and it was uh, it was in the afternoon. It was – in the hours where people apparently want to hear yelling and I just had to shut it. It was, I, I listen to talk radio when I'm driving into work usually to like, just because usually at that point I already know what I'm going to do in the news for the Adam Carolla show, but I like to listen in case there's anything breaking. And I just had to shut it off because I'm like, I'm tired of people yelling at me. Stop yelling at me. Yes. And I don't, I'm trying to think who it was. It was, I don't know. It, it was either like Mark Levin or Larry Elder or Sean Hannity or no, it wasn't Hannity though. It was it was I think it was Mark Levin, the great one. Yeah, that's how he refers <laughs> that's to himself. How he refers to himself. <laughs> there are people who are yellers, and it is not my thing. I like Dennis Prager and Hugh Hewitt and Medved and that sort of ilk because it appeals to me a little bit more. And I think if you look at their numbers, they they by the data appeal to more women mm-hmm. um, because of the tone. And that's more my style. And, and how would you describe that tone? Just a little more calm? Yeah. I mean, just a little bit more cerebral and chill. Right. And, uh, you know, it's good to yell every now and then. I just, I find that my outrage meter <laughs> does not hit red that often. Yeah. And that it is not something I can pull off to do it all the time. And I've been very pleasantly surprised to find that 
that worked in TV. Mm-hmm. So I didn't I didn't know if I would survive. Um, do you think that those people who are yelling all the time are uh, artificially pinning their outrage meter? Not all of them. No, I think I think people genuinely on right and left, there are people who are very outraged about whatever it is. <laughs> And that that is more their con- their natural constitution. Yeah. My constitution is sort of sunny. <laughs> and even when things are bad, I like to put a smile on. And I have found that it's a good way to communicate with people. Yeah. So that's just the road I take. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Maybe those people, that same level of outrage, they probably have it over things that aren't political. And they're just like in their home life. They're sure. like, where's the but there's certainly there's certainly acting that goes on as yes. well. I mean that's part of the game. Yeah. So how did you get into? Um, were you were were you a columnist before you were doing radio? I was a well, I was originally a newspaper reporter. Okay. Uh, just a straight news newspaper reporter in a little town in North Carolina, straight out of college. Uh, a combination of sort of Friday Night Lights and gothic Southern novel. <laughs> like, very like V.C. Andrews or more classic literature, gothic classic Southern. literature, okay. like strange characters. Maybe Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil is okay. a good modern gotcha. comparison. Um, <laughs> where did very you, where fun. did you grow up? I grew up in North Carolina. Okay, so this was south of my hometown, which is Durham, which is a little bit more university town. Mm-hmm. This was uh, a NASCAR town and a Friday Night Lights <laughs> town, and I covered NASCAR and high school football and the county's largest legume or pumpkin or whatever it happened to be. Uh, but it was a tiny paper. It was very fun. I got to do whatever I wanted. And Were I, you staff reporter? Yes. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, you know, murders, whatever the day was going on, we just didn't have that many people. So you go out and you do it. Uh, and it was a lot of fun. It's kind of a shame that that job doesn't exist anymore. It really doesn't. Yeah. Yeah. Because um, I also come from uh, from a journalism background and I remember – you know, at a certain point, beginning to skew more towards doing TV stuff and on-air stuff. And at the time, it, I wasn't doing it because I realized that my job was going to become obsolete. But I'm so yes. thankful that I did that because I don't know what people are doing anymore. Yeah, and that's what happened to me. I sort of – I was always right of center and I kind of was looking at my career and thinking, well, can I move forward in the news business, in the straight news business um, and be that person? Uh, and I – I kind of thought, well, I'll have to keep it mostly under wraps and not talk about it. And I thought, well, that doesn't sound very fun. I could either do sports or I could do politics. And I, I love sports. <laughs> and this is my actual idea. I said, well, everything you do for a job becomes slightly less fun. And I love both sports and politics, but I'd rather lose politics than sports. <laughs> That's so smart. So I chose politics and I still love it, uh, but it is – Slightly less fun than it was before. Mm-hmm. And I wow. still love sports. That's really smart to save the, the thing. Because yes. I feel like there's so <laughs> many people who are like, find what you love doing. And if you do what you love, you won't work a day in your life. Well, and I do <laughs> love communicating with people. And I love uh, you know doing some kind of performance, which I didn't know until later in life. But I, I dig that part of it. And that wasn't my object. But once I got on TV or started giving speeches, mm-hmm. I was like, hey, what's up? <laughs> Give me a mic. Yeah, um, how, how did you how did you start doing that? I well, as a kid, I actually wanted to be a comic for a while. Like I was a comedy nerd. My family liked sort of. I was very early on on a Spinal Tap and Comedy Central when they were actually showing comics all day, uh-huh. and I idolized sort of like Liz Winstead and Kathy Ladman and Janine Garofalo and all these women, and I never really. It sort of faded after I was like eleven or twelve. I was like, <laughs> this is my dream, and I never sort of went back to it. 
And when I got into politics, someone asked me to do a TV hit. And I went on and I did not crash and burn. <laughs> it was in 2006. And uh, after that, I just thought, oh, well, this is like really fun. And mm-hmm. I enjoy speaking to people and I like an audience and kind of went with it. Were you nervous? Very nervous. I was super nervous for about three years, I would say. But mm-hmm. I didn't look nervous, which <laughs> apparently is the key. Right. And the second TV hit I ever did was the eve of the 2006 elections on Larry King Live. Oh, wow. And they called me and <laughs> said, do you want to do this panel? And I said, you guys know I've only been on TV once, right? <laughs> and they're like, ah, whatever. I'm sure they were in a booking bind or yeah. whatever. And I thought to myself, I should say no. And then I thought... This is Washington, D.C. This town is built on people doing things they're woefully unqualified for. (laughs) And so I went for it, and uh, I was on there with, like, much older, more seasoned Mm -hmm. experts than myself. And 26-year-old me was like, well, let me tell you a thing or two. Uh, (laughs) People, you can get away with that when you're young, though. Yes. You, and you bring – you have this cachet of like, I know how Twitter works. <laughs> right. So there. Expertise. <laughs> so. Were you representing the Daily Caller at that point or like who – I don't even know hall, who I, mean. I was – probably Town Hall. Okay. I don't know who I was working for at the time. But it's been fun and it took me a while to, to sort of get my feet under me. In fact, I used to maybe have half a beer before I would go on TV because really take the edge off. <laughs> Did you ever go too far with that? No. I have not yet done that. I look forward to doing that someday. <laughs> I think it'd be good for my career. Have a nice YouTube clip. <laughs> so when did you? Okay, so okay, so then you did Larry King, and then like when did it? Where did you go from there? Um, at some point, the O'Reilly Factor, which is my sort of that's what people know me from. I do that once a week. They wanted someone. Here comes the young people part who understood the internet and could explain it to Bill. And so, <laughs> so I would go on the show and explain segments to Bill O'Reilly, uh, viral video, whatever mm-hmm. it was. All of this stuff was just sort of emerging, and I would explain it to him. And uh, it was it was fun, but it was an odd job. And then I moved on to politics uh, commentary after that. I sort of got a promotion to the political commentary. When you were doing – explaining the web stuff to him, was were, was it political web stuff or was it like just – Some of it was, but some of it was just goofy YouTube viral videos that he didn't mm-hmm. get and I would explain them. <laughs> What's he so, like? I mean I hear bits because, um, you know, Adam also appears on O'Reilly. So I hear bits from Adam. Right. And I remember in Red Eye – I remember one time being in the green room and like some someone like made a beeline to the microwave because he likes his towels microwaved or something <laughs> like that. Warm towel. And I, I've passed him and he's very tall, but that's all I know of him. Yes. Um, he and his team have like always been very supportive of me and cool. Uh, he, in a social setting, he's surprisingly, I think, sort of quiet. I've only – I haven't been in that many with him, uh, but I think people would be surprised that he's a little bit – you know, just reserved. And uh, but then I've also been at a situation where we were all ordering dinner together. And it was that was the most Bill O'Reilly order for dinner I've ever seen. We all sit down (laughs) and I don't usually go out with him and his team, but we sit down and the waitress comes by. He points at her. Are you the waitress? Are you the waitress? Great. We're all going to order. Everyone's ready. We're going to get drinks first. We're very hungry. Boom. You go. (laughs) And he like points to the first person and we're all like, at attention with our right. menus. Um, so oh, there's so funny. He's definitely got – There's he's produced dinner. Yeah, very verisimilitude between the on-air personality mm-hmm. and the real life. And do you still go on – do you go on every week? Yes, every week. Actually, right before Adam. 
Oh, okay. I ran into him in the green room uh, this week because I was out here. And uh, so I happened to be on the same night as him on Monday. I'm on an internal quest to locate a makeup. You are in the LA Fox satellite yes. place. I'm on this quest to locate a makeup artist that did my makeup there a few years ago that I haven't seen in a while. Her name's Erica. A blonde woman named Erica didn't do your makeup, did she? No, it was a brunette, but I got oh. compliments on my makeup. The brunette, yeah. Well, I don't know if it's the same one as the one, the brunette woman who did my makeup, but she was really good too. But I can't remember her name. I was, we did get in a little bit of a pinch and I had to do my own hair. Oh, no. Which, unlike you, I'm very bad at. Oh. I feel like you have a talent oh, for oh that. Oh, God. Oh, God, no. <laughs> um, yeah. In New York, it's a, there's a hair person and there's a makeup person and they're different. Out here, it's usually one person and they don't really do hair. Yes. That tends to be – and then I get scared and I just blow dry my hair for the first time in six months and go, this will look good, right? <laughs> I'm so. sure it looked good. It was fine. <laughs> I might hear from the makeup ladies back in D.C. <laughs> Betraying their brand <laughs> with my terrible hair. Right. So you – OK. So you're a, you're an officially a Fox News correspondent. Is that your title? Uh, contributor is contributor. the title. But yes, I am contracted with them. Is that – can that be a full-time job? Yes, it can. Um, I have always looked at it as a secondary job just because I've, I started as a writer. I like to write. And uh, I just want to sort of keep that as part of my what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I enjoy the TV very much. So that I just kind of sandwich them together. And do you do other on-air stuff? Are you allowed to do other on-air stuff? No, not outside of Fox. Well, with permission. I can ask permission. But um, generally, I stick to Fox. And, do they uh, know you're doing this even though it's not TV? Uh, yeah, I think we're okay as long as it's audio. Okay. So <laughs> we're fine. Um, and the mostly like sort of internet shows and stuff are safe. Mm-hmm. But um, I was going to say I came up similarly to you. I feel like we both came up in a time where you could suddenly make your brand. Yeah. Which didn't really exist before like halfway through my career. And I like you sort of stumbled into it. It was like, I, oh, I have a brand i actually really it, the, i really um bristled at the notion of even having a brand at yes. the beginning i was like that's is, this is bullshit and i hate that and now i just i just accept like i it, the the terminology doesn't bother me so much anymore i think maybe because i'm a little more clear on what it is but yeah it yeah. feels artificial as a term right it yeah and but, i but yeah. ironically our brand is being authentic <laughs> i know right? it's just being ourselves right so, <laughs> do you do people ask you what your brand is? Do you get that question? I don't think I get that question per se because I think people, if you're in politics, they're just like you're right or left, done, mm-hmm. moving on. Right. Um, and so that question is sort of answered for them. Uh, but I like to think that it's more broad than that. <laughs> have, do you ever watch um, or have you ever seen the reality show on the Food Network channel, Next Food Reality Star? Next Food Network star. No, Next Food Network star. I was think that the birth of Guy Fieri? Yes, but it's a good show to okay. that. <laughs> it was. I haven't watched it in a while, but I used to love it because it was equal parts like cooking challenge show and course in how to be a TV personality. Right. And they would oh, what they always would push them towards is you have to have a point of view. What is your point of view? And it was always something stupid like, like um, comfort food. Right. Done right. Or, you know, like uh, party food or, or uh, I don't know what it, it was always something that was kind of foisted upon them. Right. But it, it, it speaks to that whole brand thing, which Asian is. Asian fusion plus Puerto Rican. Yes. 
delicious. And then it'd be like, all you ever do is use this one spice because you because you also had to be had to cook. But like the message was pretty clear that you cannot get to you can't go further in your career unless you have defined your point of view. Yeah. Now, I don't know if that's just for a chef. I feel like it's every well, I feel like. There are people who believe that, but I don't think – I don't want to be limited to whatever it is. I don't know? think it's necessarily true. I have I have felt like in my career that being a little bit less wed to this particular – just my political views, which it sounds silly because it's my career, but I'm, that is not all that I am. Right. And so I like to explore beyond that. I do like humorous YouTube videos that have nothing to do with politics. Uh, and that's why I enjoyed the morning show and shows like this because you get to hear a little bit more about people and who they actually are. I understand that people categorize me that way, and that's fine. It makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. But it's fun to go outside of that. And one of the things that bugs me about the way politics works is – and this happens to people on the left and the right – if you're just tweeting about something like Kimmy's baby, right? people are like, how – dare you this is not important yeah there are important things going on and i'm like i'm a regular person yeah and sometimes i like to watch shows on tv and tweet about them right (laughs) so i know yeah it's like this is not the show's twitter feed this is my my right personal twitter feed there's like a requirement for blowhardiness at all times (laughs) like that shouldn't be part of the job description or your personal Twitter feed. <laughs> right. Right. Um, so, well, I was going to say changing gears, and then I want to talk about the fact that you're obviously having a baby soon. But before that, I do I, I do want to ask, um, when did your political ideas, like, when did you become um, sort of pol- politically active is not the right word, but, yeah, but like, how did you minded. form your... Yeah. I, think, I think I was a political kid before I realized it, um, before I realized that was politics. Mm -hmm. Uh, I went to um, public schools in Durham, North Carolina. I was one of just a handful of white kids in my schools. And I think similar, and this is part of why I listen to Adam's show and I like you guys, um, I had a lot of exposure to, okay, these are the programs that are helping this segment of people are they really helping and is that the best way to help? And I saw a lot of situations where that was not the case at mm-hmm. a very young age. And I started thinking about things like what could be done that would be a better thing uh, to help people. And so I think that was my sort of the beginning of it. Yeah. And I think I was always a little bit of a contrarian and I grew up in a very liberal town. Mm-hmm. So oh, that's interesting. I suppose I might have gone the other way if I had been somewhere else. I don't think so. I think there's something innate about it. But – I I was definitely a contrarian as a kid and I think some of that sort of wanting to debate and wanting to and wanting to hear something different and wanting mm-hmm. to think about something different which you know that happens to people from conservative communities all the time where they become liberal. Well, I think that I mean I think that I was going to be liberal anyway, but right. I grew up in a conservative town and I and I do think that I that that's kind of helped me go in a different direction. Yeah. So I think just being open to sort of different ideas. My father served in the military and there were, and both my granddads did. And so that was a little bit more of our growing up story than most of the kids in my neighborhood mm-hmm. who were more likely of the sort of university professor mind, like suspicious of that sort of segment of the American life. And uh, so we were kind of different from that, from that point of view. But, uh, and then later in life, I just 
it, it sort of came together because in college you end up like, oh, I'll take you on, professor, and that kind of thing. <laughs> and I enjoyed that. And it's sort of because I came to sort of these fiscal conservative beliefs without meaning to, mm-hmm. um, it was very natural. And I just sort of felt like it seems silly that everybody thinks I'm an evil person because I happen to disagree about the level of involvement of the federal government. Uh, and you, you think people think you're evil because you, for example, are probably not in favor of, of public assistance? Uh, I mean, because I'm in favor of some limits thereon. Mm-hmm. Like, that, it's not even um, like the sort of caricature of anti all levels of government. I'm not. Um, I think that local and state government are better at responding to local needs. And most liberals, if you get into a conversation with them about what they do, they work in those local channels because they are more responsive yeah. and more accountable. And so I think, to me, this big entity up on top can have a tendency to be unaccountable, to be not very good at helping people, right. and to drain resources from these other good things that people can do. So that's sort of my basic ethos <laughs> or like philosophy on this. And it just sort of struck me as odd as I grew up later, like, oh, this makes me sort of a crazy person. Like people from my neighborhood are like, oh, she was such a good kid. What happened to her? <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's your family like? Um, my family, I have two little brothers. Um, and for lack of a better term, I think our family has a sort of male ethos to it in that mm-hmm. uh if we fight, we have a fight and then we move on. There wasn't a lot of um, sort of family politics and grudges held or anything like that. And I really love that about my brothers and sort of uh, have carried that forward in life. I think we're sort of all very emotionally even keeled. Mm -hmm. And uh, they, my brothers are actually sort of, I don't know how we all ended up right of center, but they're sort of libertarian as well. One is uh, teaching in Japan and is a very talented graphic artist and uh, does some programming. One is uh, a very talented musician in his off time, but does something different for a job out here in LA. And then I'm a writer. So we're like these, this group of sort of oddly creative conservatives. <laughs> <laughs> and the whole, the whole neighborhood is like, where did you guys come from? And what are your parents like? Uh, my mom is a, an elementary school librarian and the best damn elementary school librarian there is. <laughs> she always when we were kids, she dresses up as book characters to oh, that's very inspire cool. kids to read. And uh, she's always worked in public schools. In fact, now at the school that I used to go to, although thankfully she wasn't there when I was a kid because I feel like the Johnny Appleseed cutoffs and the tin, <laughs> literal tinfoil hat might have been, <laughs> yeah. been a tad embarrassing at that time. But she's incredible at her job. Just It was years before I realized that not all teachers work 11 hours a day. Mm-hmm. She's just like so good at it and loves it. And what are some of the character, other characters she dresses up as? Paul Bunyan, um, Johnny Appleseed, a lot of Tall Tales characters. A lot uh, of cross-dressing. <laughs> yeah, we had, <laughs> we had the Three Little Pigs. Uh, then she, uh, she would sort of, I love costumes, just like Halloween and all that stuff I love now because she sort of instilled that in us. We did the Three Little Pigs. We did all the Three Blind Mice. And so uh-huh. then she would have those costumes for the kids at school. Oh, that's really fun. And with the caps for sale guy with like 89 news caps on his <laughs> head. And my dad is a journalist as well. Um, he's uh, He was the editor of the local paper growing up. So mm-hmm. Oh, that's cool. I followed in his footsteps. And is he uh, conservative as well? Yes. And he sort of... <laughs> He sort of kept it under wraps for most of his career, and then the paper was bought, and he is now the head of communications for the conservative think tank in North Carolina. So he kind of got to, like, 
let his flag fly after all mm-hmm. those years of um but he was a great newspaper editor and managed a ton of people and three small children and I can't imagine <laughs> um oh shoot just lost I lost the question that I had it was fuck you know where it it got lost somewhere because I'm wondering if they still have card catalogs in uh, elementary school libraries, but that was, but it's like my brain is focusing on card catalogs, and, and that's then, all you can yeah, think of. So I'm just gonna have to ask: Do you know? I don't think they do. Okay, I um, love the card catalog. Right, I think Dewey Decimal I think System now those are just recycled for like hipster weddings and stuff. <laughs> that's my theory. My mom could probably make a bunch of money on she old, probably ca- could. Card, old card catalogs. She could be a card catalog dealer. <laughs> okay, I'm going to retrace it because I want to find this question. Okay. We were talking about your dad. Right. Your dad retired. Oh, and, and how he felt like he had to sort of keep it under wraps. Which is oh, good. No, I mean, that's I a know professional what journalist kind of thing to do. So yeah. My question was, what did you major in in college? Uh, newspaper journalism, which, thank goodness I went a different route after a couple of years because that would not have panned out well for me. Um, and... So I was glad that I sort of landed in internet and online stuff and all this sort of like experimentation with YouTube and that kind of thing. But yes, newspaper journalism. There were like 11 of us. So I think other people saw the writing on the wall before I did. <laughs> they right. were all mag- – well, they were – to be fair, they were magazine journalists. <laughs> so I remember a discussion at a magazine that I was working at where, where they were like, I want you guys to no longer think of this as a magazine but as a media entity. And we were yes. like, well, this is a bunch of bullshit. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> it didn't, at the time, it didn't make sense. It sounded like – because I think this also like went hand in hand with – and um, we're letting some people go and there aren't going to be raises this year and there's no bonuses. And it was – so it just felt like this kind of we're in a tough spot discussion even right. though now it actually makes sense. Um, but I wanted to ask you something about this idea of not letting people know what your politics are. I hear that quite a bit um, from people that that feel like they, if they are, if they lean conservative, they can't let people know because they get treated a different way. Yes. And the weird thing for me is that I'm, I, you know, lean liberal. Yet a lot of my media experience has been around people who are right wing. Right. So I've always felt like, no, I'm the odd man out. Yeah. Um, is has that been your experience that that you have to that that it's something that you feel like you can't let out? Yeah. I mean, I I do. I would say a fair amount of sort of soft peddling, not because I'm not pr- I'm happy to dis- discuss it if you want to get into it. But a lot of times in a social situation, I just want to have a beer. I do not want to discuss the budget with you. <laughs> I am happy to go through numbers at another time or what have you. But um, so I'll do a lot, especially because I, I think this is from growing up in a liberal community as well, is that I wanted to couch things in such a way that I could explain how I feel and say, you know, you may attach bad motives to this position, but this is how I feel. And, you know, it actually comes from a place of wanting to help people and not whatever. So I think I was always sort of gentle about getting into those conversations. But I do think conservatives are sort of socially shy because Mm -hmm. they know at a party when it comes out, all the heads are going to go, what, what, what? Um, And have a discussion about that, that maybe they just want to have a beer. Yeah. And so there is a little bit of, of that that goes on, but, uh, I think it – I mean that's how communications work. Sometimes you can be open about stuff. And so, but I have, I do have the sort of standard Washington, D.C. discussion. My husband is uh, not right of center. Mm-hmm. And so I'll be at a lot of functions 
with people who are not necessarily who don't necessarily believe what I believe. <laughs> what do you do? I, you know, cover stuff. <laughs> I write things. And they're like, oh, what? And I'm like, well, what do you do? And uh, they'll keep asking me. We'll eventually get to the point where I'm on the O'Reilly Factor on Fox News. Is that what you want to hear? Is that what you want to hear? <laughs> no. And <laughs> are we cool now? <laughs> so uh, I, do, I do feel like it's it can be a hot button mm-hmm. and it's not necessarily how I want to interact socially. Right. No, but I, yeah. I will totally defend myself if something comes up. I'm just not going to maybe jump in with both feet all the time. Right. What, and what did your husband do? Um, I call him he, – he explains it better and differently than I do. But I call him the nonprofit whisperer. He's like <laughs> – he helps nonprofit groups and sort of issue campaigns do their jobs better and be able to help people more efficiently. And he works for Change.org now. The petition site mm-hmm. does sort of – public movements and that kind of thing. Um, he's very good at it. How'd you guys meet? Oh, it's the most DC meeting story ever. Okay. <laughs> I'm watching House of Cards right now. Okay, I, good, I can dig good. it. <laughs> um, we met uh, on a panel <laughs> about media and politics in 2008 at Google DC. And uh, I was on a later panel in the day after his and he stayed to watch. And he said, oh, like, who's that girl? And I think we were both dating other people at the time, but the whole crew of speakers, he had been in on an earlier panel, went out to dinner that night, and he's like, I'm going to talk to her and meet her. And he miscalculated by a bit, and the online editor of The Onion sat right in between us. <laughs> so I did not speak to him the entire night. I talked to this very funny online editor of The uh-huh. Onion the entire night, and Jake sort of, hey, hey, <laughs> didn't meet him. The wine uh, was flowing freely. At the end of the dinner, he came up and said, and introduced himself. I was like, oh, hey, we should totes get together sometime. Nice to meet you, blah, blah, blah. Went home. No recollection of meeting him whatsoever. <laughs> so uh, two weeks later, I happened to run into his Do you still friend. not remember meeting him? Like, no. This is pieced together from what he's yes. told you? Like, I, I know hilarious. he was there. <laughs> <laughs> and we have found photographic evidence that right. he was there. Do not remember meeting him at all. <laughs> and two weeks later, just by coincidence, I happened to meet his best friend, who's a little bit of an older brother, make fun of you kind of character. And uh, he put it together that – and Jake, meanwhile, my husband, was like, thought we had a connection. <laughs> <laughs> and so he tells his friend. His friend comes out with me and realizes, oh, this is the chick that Jake has a connection with. She has no idea who he is. So it took a while uh, to figure out who he was. The only (laughs) reason I did was because the best friend made fun of him to me. And then I looked him up on Facebook and I thought, he's really hot. Why do I not remember him? (laughs) Um, Things went dormant for another year and we were on, wait for it, another panel together. Gary, and that's when the sparks flew. (laughs) How many times have I brought up panels and thought, what is the point of them? And it does anything good come out of them? And why? Why do I do them? At least like fifty. Yeah, yeah. Here's Panel. something good that came out of panels. That's yes. good. Yeah. I still so. feel like they're pointless for me, but I'm, right. I'm happy for you. We did. We fell in love over two panels. That's really so. sweet. What was the second one? These are those are better panels than I've done. The though. second one was South by Southwest. Yeah. So we were down in Austin. It was like a party atmosphere. Got to hang out for a couple days, and it just sort of clicked, and the rest was history. You were doing the political panel at South by Southwest. Yes. So I was, wow. I was like, South by Southwest has changed. Uh, I was like the token conservative on the like, let's talk about the Obama campaign, which is fine. I'm happy to 
play that role and the the guys on the panel were great. Right. Um, I just didn't know that they – well, I mean, back when I used to go, it was music. And I know that there's a whole web component now. Oh, the web component, yes. They added so this that, was a web this part, is of part of the web stuff. part of the nerd segment of the <laughs> South by Southwest. Which I think is the biggest part at this point. It's huge now. Yeah. It was not as big back then. Mm-hmm. But yes, that was – that's how we met. And I always tease him that, like, I think – Part of the magic is that I didn't remember him. Like he had, he had to work a little hard. Right. right? <laughs> that, that's really sweet. So okay. So then, so that was a year after. Like yes. you had, you had no contact in, in pretty that much year? none. He had, he had emailed at one point, and I was like, "Who is, who is this?" <laughs> but then I finally put it together. So then you reconnected a year later. Yes. And then were you together ever since, or what happened after yeah. that? Yeah. I mean, it was immediate, and I think within a couple weeks we were like, "Well, we're done." <laughs> And we didn't tell each other at the time, but that uh-huh. was, it was very – and people who knew us before that, including the best friend who had sort of put us on this panel for the second time, mm-hmm. uh, were like, this is going to – this is just going to happen. What was it about him that made, made you feel like he's – like you're um, done? Well, in D.C., I felt I was really lucky to meet him. He's very uh, – <laughs> This is going to sound like so mean to DC. But it's like he's like socially normal and athletic, and <laughs> he likes to do things outside. And he was he was from the South. He's from Tennessee. I'm from North Carolina. So there was a little bit of sort of cultural mm-hmm. identification there. And uh, he's just like a great, smart, handsome dude. I'm like, lucky me. What are the DC? What what is DC like? <laughs> uh, I think it's it's regularly rated. For dating for women, much like traffic in L.A., it's rated. Like, it's, <laughs> the it's worst. just not a good place for women dating, mm-hmm. particularly. Because there's a lot of driven, very smart, very beautiful women in D.C. And the pool of men is smaller. And I think finding your sort of career equal yeah. is a little bit tough. And so, uh, I mean, many people make it work. But I do the poor women, single women who I know. And when I was single, it was like, who are we going to date? <laughs> and I know I know many great guys there, but a lot of them are already taken. Yeah. You know, you're you're sitting in that situation where you're in your 30s and you're looking around going, well, they're all marrying off. Right. So, yeah, it sounds sort of like New York in that it's a it's a lot of really ambitious people and it's very well, I don't know what what it was like in DC, but in New York it's very easy to be single. There's not a lot of things pushing you towards coupling off. Yeah, I think there is there may be a bit more of a tendency to couple off in D.C., a lot of hill romances and that kind of thing, because it is such a romantic place. Um, so there's a little bit more of that, perhaps. But, yeah, I think just the sort of general busyness level. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, when I was not seeing anybody, would happily work all day long, all night long, you know, whatever project I was on, because people generally are dedicated to their work. They're passionate, and you sort right. of you end up cutting out parts of the life that would allow you to do that. So now you're Except married. Except for panels, which are very important <laughs> for matchmaking. So now you're married, and how far along are you? Uh, I am seven months wow. now. That's exciting. Yes. And I have to say, you're you're so, like, you're obviously pregnant, but it's also little. Like it's so much. compact. It's uh, Yeah, I've, I've been pleased with that, because changing the whole wardrobe is tricky. Although I do tell people, because they say, oh, you look so small, and I tell them, well, and this is like a bodily function friendly Oh, yeah, yeah, very, so, very. So I'm like, well, I puke all the time. So oh, no. if you would like to try that on for size, you too can be <laughs> small. But um, everything's good and healthy. I just never – the morning sickness was like supposed to go away at 14 weeks and that is a lie. 
Do you, every day? Is this, <laughs> is this an everyday thing? Not every day. It's very unpredictable. Yesterday was very bad, and mm. I was like, please don't let tomorrow be bad. <laughs> and I was sort of at a moment, I was riding over to do O'Reilly in my Lincoln Town car, in my stretchy jersey uh, professional dress, and feeling very like, you know, sunny LA weather. Like, I'm here I am. I'm having it all. <laughs> and and right. then about halfway through the ride, I'm like, I'm not going to make it to the studio. Oh. And I could just see myself on the side of some road in Hollywood, like, <laughs> having I it am, all. I am woman. Hear me roar. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, I did make it. I have very good, good control that I have developed. Um, but it was, uh, it was a little bit of an ordeal. Touch and go, yeah. And I had them put... <laughs> Had them put a trash can beside the chair for O'Reilly. I was like, I don't want to alarm anyone, but just in case, this is all of your stuff, and I don't want to mess it up. Yeah. Um, but I have I have thought about like the worst case scenario if that happened on the air. I feel like that that it would, would go be, viral. It would It'd go viral, yeah. and I'd be like, that's because people are like, oh my gosh, what would happen? And I would say might be the greatest thing for my career ever yeah <laughs> I'd be the most famous pundit as of tomorrow isn't that sad i know i mean but it's, it's exciting and exhilarating and liberating too yeah. but i mean it's sad that these things that are like seem like worst case scenarios maybe it's just what our careers need yeah exactly but it's, it's sort of it's nice to know that you can like to me that's what i always said because I would do a lot of explaining viral videos to Bill O'Reilly, and uh-huh. he would say, like, this is so embarrassing for this person. And I would this say— This is before he went viral. Yeah. And I would say, you just got to—you just got to own it. Like, you got to— Yeah. So that's what I would do. Yeah. I would own my puking on live TV. See, I always wonder what would happen if I really had to sneeze or if I started choking. Although the starting to choke thing has happened on the Adam Carolla show before, and it hasn't been <laughs> as bad as I expected. That thing where you swallow wrong and then you can't yes. stop coughing, I'm always afraid of that. Um or getting hiccups, but like you, you see newscasters where that happens, and then that you know that becomes a viral video. So morning sickness, what does it feel like? Is it like when you have the flu and you need to throw up? Like, is it that awful? Uh, to me, it's like having a hangover just all day. That sounds awful. Without too. any of the fun of the drinking. Yeah. So, you know, I just like to drink since I'm gonna have a hangover. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, I just live it up. Uh, but it it, just, it feels like a very long-term hangover, and uh, it's no fun. But I don't want to scare people off. I am in the minority of women who who have, like, long-term morning mm-hmm. sickness that lasts, like, for so much of the pre- uh, pregnancy. But I should have thought when I was wishing to be more like Kate Middleton, like, specify that it was the hair and the clothes that <laughs> right. I was after and not so much. Is is it the same as what she has? It is like a, yeah, a, mild, something. a mild version of that, which I have not, thankfully, been to the hospital yet. So mm-hmm. I can always, like, by the end of the day, I'm like, I'm getting some Jello down. <laughs> this kid is going to eat some Jello. So how how is it, other, uh, aside from that, which sounds um, pretty awful, how is being pregnant? Uh, it's been fine. I... But because I am on the smaller side, I think I've had less – I feel like it's a trade-off. I'm like, okay, this is my – I've done my my bit with the morning sickness. And so I don't get a lot of the – like the water retention and the mm. – I haven't been uncomfortable. I have two more months to get uncomfortable, <laughs> and I'm sure I will. But I've been able to hike. I went – we went on our oh, – I hate the term baby moon, but that's what it was, our last vacation uh-huh. before the baby. Uh, <laughs> we went to Wyoming, and I was hiking up like really tall mountains and felt great. So as long as I'm not sick on that particular day, I can have a great day. Yeah. So how this is uh, totally personal, but I'm gonna ask anyway. How much weight have you gained? 
Um, like almost 20 pounds, probably 20 pounds at this point, but it does not feel like it, which mm-hmm. I'm pleased by. And uh, as far as like, being a TV, per- especially a female TV personality, I have been pleased that it did not all immediately go to my face because then you'll get all sorts of sweet Twitter comments oh God, about – I didn't even announce it until seven months because I thought eh, I could just do without like people immediately will be like, I totally saw it in your face. I'd be like, <laughs> number one, you didn't. Yeah. Number two, you should not say that if you did. <laughs> so but. No, people say things they shouldn't say all the time. <laughs> yes. And so much of it is not even I mean, the intentionally mean stuff I get. So so much of it is not intentionally mean. Oh, yeah. It's just like <clears throat> I'm trying to be sweet, but it went Comes it out took, wrong. It took a wrong turn. Yeah. A detour. Yeah. Um, so when you, you revealed it on Red Eye though, right? Yes. Because I remember <laughs> seeing tweets about it. I felt like that was a a good venue. Like O'Reilly would be too serious mm-hmm. and uh, I feel like it's a nice – you know, it's such a wholesome show to give your child a start in life <laughs> <laughs> on Red Eye. I believe we talked about like uh, cat polygamy on that particular show and like the private parts of a – of a gargoyle statue. So, you know, someday the child, when he or she is old enough, can uh, read. We don't know the gender, by the way. Can go back and watch that show. You don't know the gender? No. That is, I feel like there's not that many people who to choose not to find out these days. Yes. My husband wanted to find out and uh, was very nice about letting me go this direction and hasn't hasn't really regretted it. He's mm-hmm. like, it's fun and not that many people do it and... A lot of people say, how are you going to plan like the nursery? I'm not a planner to begin with, and I'm not sure I would do anything differently. I mean, my parents never knew, and one of the fun things about my household, I felt like growing up, was that there wasn't a pink avalanche for me, and the boys <laughs> had different clothes, and the boys had different things. We didn't – There was my parents were very good about not changing things based right. on the sex of the kid, and I felt like that gave me a lot of freedom to do mm. – to choose whatever I wanted. I never – in fact, there was there might have been a short period of time when I thought I could grow up to be a boy because I was <laughs> such a tomboy. And I guess that is sort of true now. But <laughs> but I, I was sort of misunderstood how that worked because mm-hmm. I had two brothers and I was like, I'm just like them. Right. No, but it, but it sounds like you – tell me if this is right. You never thought that the world that you're entering will be different because you're female. No. And I credit my parents with that. It was very – there, there was none of the – and I don't judge people who make these rules. It's fine. But there was – because I was the oldest also, uh, we could beat each other up. There was no like don't touch your sister because she's a girl. There mm-hmm. was like – you know, we were on even terms and I, I was a little bigger. But uh, – and we would fight it out and that's the way things went. The chores were the same. Uh, there was no question that I could achieve whatever it was that I wanted to do. So – And where are you with all of that now? Because I know that I – I also feel like I grew up that the same way, yeah. um, and it just it just never entered my mind that any door would be closed to me. And if it yes. was, I was like, I, I will kick that motherfucker in. <laughs> um, it was really only <clears throat> I think coming on the Adam Carolla show that I started to become more aware of. Oh, there's a fair amount of comments I'm getting because I'm female. Yes. Like there's like I am being there is a certain way that women in the media are treated but i and i had been doing this for a while before i ever really be, realized it and i don't i don't know why that is but it just really wasn't until fairly recently that i started <clears throat> thinking about it more yeah i i think yes being more public 
revealed more of that than I realized there was. I think growing up and to their credit, a lot of the guys that I went to school with and high school with and college with, um, very, you know, very open to women doing whatever it was they wanted to do. I didn't feel a lot of that. In fact, I remember in college and in the professional world running into situations where someone was ignoring me or not hearing what I was saying. And I couldn't figure out, like, what is this weird vibe I'm getting? (laughs) And I had been so lucky not to have experienced that. I finally would figure out, like, oh, my gosh, they are not listening to me because I'm a woman. This is insane. Uh, yeah, and that it's, would but just, it's funny that that's like it doesn't even enter your head that that could be it. It yeah. just you're like there must be some other thing. Yes, yeah, that on? was my thought. I was like, <laughs> do what, I have a head I... cold? Am I talking quiet? What the fuck? <laughs> do they have hearing problems? Yeah. Um. So yeah, I think I found more of that as I got older and was like, oh. But I will say that it was it has never been able to stop me from mm-hmm. doing what I wanted to do. And I think in both sports reporting and um, politics. They can be very male heavy. The audiences can be very male heavy. Um, but yeah, the the online abuse is different for women and it's left and right, whatever it is you do. And I love like occasionally I'll just like – I don't do this very often but in fact I make a rule of not Googling myself very often. Uh-huh. But I'll come across some stupid you know, comment thread about hot or not or something and it's like by the end you're like, well – I wouldn't sleep with you either, you yeah. motherfuckers. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, well, I think that's a promo right there. <laughs> <laughs> like, who do you think you are? Um, so that is a little weird and jarring, but I haven't found that it sets up barriers for me. Right. The one <laughs> – you'll appreciate this as a woman in the public eye. I did get put – on a list on Playboy Online of conservative women that the author would like to hate fuck. And congratulations. Well, you know, equal parts threatening and flattering. Um, <laughs> my favorite kind of compliment. Right. Um, and I later ran into the writer at a party in New York. Oh, this is great. And I was with a friend. I was with my best friend from college. And he, I guess to his credit, came up and apologized because it was a big it was good sort of a big thing and he got punished for it as he should have and by by his editors i believe so yeah and it was you know pretty nasty little uproar for a little while um the crazy crazy thing is that sorry the crazy thing is that he could even like because i come from the the journalism world the same one that you come from where it's like you couldn't publish that without a lot of people knowing that you're doing it you know yes. i guess now it's just a blog post you can yeah and the, it was it was an online piece as opposed to a print right. piece and it's just like who did this go through at any rate he walks up and up with the intent of apologizing and i i didn't i don't know it was such an awkward social situation that and it was long after this had happened, and I had I had said my piece on TV. I actually did a, a bit on Red Eye about it where they interviewed me about this list. And so I sort of – I had my say uh-huh. and, you know, gave him what for or whatever. So I was done being mad about it. I'm like, oh, OK. <laughs> Thanks for the apology, I guess. And um, But you still want to hate fuck me, right? Right. <laughs> Just checking. <laughs> but my friend, God bless her, sitting next to me. Looks up at him and she's like a very – she's a very tiny woman but a very dry, like ser- like she can really zone in on you. Mm-hmm. She's like, you'd like to apologize for saying in public that you'd like to hate fuck my friend. <laughs> Is that it? And he – and that was like – that was what I needed. I was like, oh, he just went like – Shrunk, yeah. Yeah, and that was sort of 
I, I didn't feel the need or like ability to do that, but she was offended for me <laughs> and she took care of it. Yeah. And then we went our separate ways. What did he look like? Um, I don't even remember. Yeah, that's right. Take that. <laughs> Dark hair, I think. Who was number one on the list? Do you remember? Oh, I have no idea. Peggy Noonan made it on there. It was a very, it was rangy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it sounds like it. I'm surprised I missed this, or maybe I didn't, and I just can't remember. Yeah, maybe it I did. I don't know. It might have it might have come over your radar at some point, but it was quickly done. Um, how do you feel like? And I'm asking these for selfish reasons. Being married and pregnant, and by the way, people, I'm not pregnant. So <laughs> stop emailing and accusing me of being pregnant. Because I'm glowing, which what I hear is I look fat, so stop it, please. <laughs> Wait, but you're both pale and glowing because you've gotten both comments. Yeah, I yeah. think it's my paleness that's glowing. <laughs> nice. I guess. I don't know. Um, how, how has that affected your career? Um, I think I – think, and I've heard you talk about this a bit and I've talked about it actually with a lot of my professional woman friends recently about the fear that you will so- – like take your foot off the gas. Yeah, lose once your you, um, right, lose your once ambition. you have a kid. And I think I'm a little bit more comfortable with that notion than mm-hmm. a lot of people are. Uh not that I want to be done. In fact, I haven't written a book which I would like to do and um I concede that that will become much harder in about two months. Uh, But I would like to do that. And I'm going to look back and be like, what were you doing in your late 20s that you didn't already manage this? But um, it doesn't mean that the dream has to die. But I I do think that I am sort of comfortable with the notion that I might be doing a little bit less. uh, And I have the gift. And I think I... I like that a lot of my professional women friends do have more of this than you would have had in the past of flexibility to say, these are the things I will do and these are the things I won't do. Mm-hmm. Not everybody has that, Lord knows. Um, but I think it's a it's a really – that's the advantage is that I can say, these are the hours I work, these are the hours I don't work, and to have some like transportation flexibility and that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I was just talking to my sister-in-law about – she's a – production designer, I believe is the term, mm-hmm. on films and videos and that kind of thing, about, you know, she and her friends having this thought and like, oh my gosh, what if I just, not because you're mad about letting go of the wheel, but like, you're you just, just like, don't, yeah. you don't have that anymore. And so I, I get that. And I'm sort of, I think I've been preparing for that a little bit. Mm-hmm. And who knows, I might not even feel that way. I might go back in two weeks to O'Reilly because I get to sit in a makeup chair for an hour and that's like the best hour of my week <laughs> pampering and like, you it's know, just, nice, right? Yeah. I like just a too, little, yeah. just a little break. Maybe I'll go right back to that and feel like I need to jump in. And my mom worked full time. And I think the main, the main thing is perhaps not feeling like being comfortable with your decision and not projecting to your child that you're super guilty about it. Like that's <laughs> right. To me, that's what my mom did. It was inspiring to watch her work all the time and, tackle new things and Mm -hmm. I never even gave it a second thought the funny thing about that fear is that it's it's sort of even though I have it it's sort of silly because it's like if at that point you find your priorities shifting and you find your drive diminishing you're not going to be upset then right it's just it's a you know it's sort of like being afraid I'm not gonna be able to 
to articulate this well. I think everyone knows what I mean. Yeah, but, but I was, like it, it's like yeah, do I it's almost like do I want to take this pill that will make me have these reactions? And even and you know that like after the fact, you'll be fine with it. Right. But do you want to be fine with it? Yeah. That's the question. And I think I'm I don't have that fear so much. Um but we'll just see how it goes. I'm also a t- I'm a very like take it as it comes kind of person. And so which scares a lot of the people who are like, what have you done with the nursery? Have you bought anything? <laughs> I'm like, I think we've got like a dresser drawer that we can empty. I think we'll be fine, right? I like that you're not a planner and that you own it. Yeah, I'm not a planner at all. Yeah. <laughs> it's on whatever the Myers-Briggs is. I'm like the, the to the nth degree of like afraid to slot anything in. Like when we planned this, it was like three days from now I'll be there. Boom. <laughs> and I'm comfortable with that. Yeah. <laughs> so... Um, I tend to have weaknesses in other areas. My husband, a better planner, so that's good. Mm-hmm. Are you organized? Not very. Yeah, I'm I not used, <laughs> I used to be. I was a very high-strung kid, and like the perfect grades, and I was very OCD. And um, up until a lot of OCD up until I was like in my twenties in college, and I don't know what happened, but someday I was just like Jesus, take the wheel or something, and I just mm-hmm. like. Was like I'm doing not doing this anymore, and all the little rituals and all that stuff. In order to get away from those, I kind of just went Bleh, like <laughs> the other direction. Exactly. Wow. What kind of rituals and things were you doing? Um, it never like it never interfered with my life to such an extent that I needed therapy or anything. I didn't even know it was weird as mm-hmm. a kid. Um, but I would, for instance, my mother woke me up every single morning of my life. I didn't need an alarm clock, but I had an alarm clock. And I would check it 40 times before I went to bed. And I would turn over and start saying my prayers, which was another ritual. <laughs> I'd turn over and start saying my prayers and I'd be like, I got to turn back over, check the alarm. Did I check it? I know I checked it. It's like this weird, mm-hmm. I mean, people who are OCD understand. It's sort of like your brain is telling you something bad will happen yeah. if you don't do this. And then up until college, I would wear a lot of jewelry yeah, it's the early 2000s. I'd wear a lot of yeah. like... No, I uh, over-accessorized as well. Right. <laughs> so I'd take off my watch and then I would take off my necklace and then I would put the necklace in the middle of the watch. And if it, t- <laughs> if it touched any of the sides of the watch, I had to put it all on over again. Oh, wow. Did this ever make you late? No, because this was a before oh, it was, bed. It was, right, it was ritual. taking it off. So that part I was okay. The morning... Okay, I'm, I'm like, this is a fun new thing I'm going to try. <laughs> Totally get behind that. <laughs> Be careful. <laughs> I know. Um, so yeah, some of that that just went out the window at some point, and I went through a couple of years of just completely discombobulated. And I think I'm now I've I've sort of come to a happy medium of sorts. Mm-hmm. Do you do any sort of uh, rituals, or do you suffer anxiety or anything like that? Uh, there's not a lot left. I mean, if. <laughs> The kind of thing where, like, when we go on a trip, my husband will go downstairs to meet the cab because, of course, I'm a little bit behind him. And uh-huh. he's like, come on down when you're ready. You know, make it snappy or whatever. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm right behind you. And then as soon as, he's, as soon as he's gone, I get the, did I check the burners? Well, I haven't cooked anything in a week. Of course, the burners are on. Did I check the coffee? And then I do all the windows and, like, the cat food. And it's not necessary. And so that's, like, the one the one area where... I tend to still do it. Yeah. I have that too. I feel like that's like a pretty normal one yeah. to have. And I, I, it's just like I feel that feeling again. Uh-huh. I'm like, oh, I got to check this. I got to check this. I got to check it six times. Ten minutes later, I'm getting calls from my husband at the cab. Like, Where are you? 
Do you and your husband? So your husband is is he liberal or he's just not conservative? Um, I would say he is the less ideological of the two of us, um, and people look at us and assume we are on opposite sides mm-hmm. of the spectrum. It's closer to I'm a libertarian conservative, so things like gay marriage and like pot legalization, uh, sort of that kind of thing. Uh, I differ from a lot of conservatives, so I'm a libertarian-leaning conservative, and he's sort of like a center-left pragmatist, like, what's the best way to get this done? He's also worked with government on a couple of things and found, wow, this is really hard to get things done. So he generally works with private sector and charity organizations because that's what ends up making the wheels move and making people's lives better. Mm -hmm. Um, And so – and he likes to sort of – do the government and private sort of partnerships so that you can get them working together. And But I don't think we're nearly as far apart as we look on the outside. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask if you guys yeah. disagree about stuff or if you guys get into it we about have, politics. We have fights. Um, I think once, like, once every two months or so we'll have a good fight. Although I will say, since I've been pregnant and I drink a little less wine, <laughs> I find myself... Getting in fewer arguments with my husband. Um, I'm sure that's just coincidence. <laughs> right, totally. Uh, the I will. I'll tell you the legendary, our best fight ever, and it, they're of course about the nerdiest stuff because we are who we are. Uh, the best one was about the threat that the FDA was going to regulate salt content <laughs> in processed foods. Something about which I am very passionate, and <laughs> I love salt. And there was, I've, this was my hobby horse. Like, there's no medical evidence, and actually, the people are coming around to this idea that there's not medical evidence that you should be limiting salt. So, mm-hmm. unless you're already hypertensive, so we have this discussion about it. And my husband is like, for my, for my taste, not nearly upset about this as he, as, not nearly as mad as he should be. Right. He's not really not upset. He's just like. I don't know. It's not my thing. It's not my jam. <laughs> and I'm like, but salt is the greatest. And and he's <laughs> and he's like, well, here's my question. This is what this was the straw that broke the camel's uh-huh. back. Here's my question. When I get my food, can I just put more salt on it if I want to? <laughs> and I'm like, yes, but that's not the point. He's like, I'm pretty comfortable with that. And I'm like, and I sat – I think we were in bed having this fight. It like had gone on and we were in bed. And I sat bolt upright like at the top of my lungs. was like, it's not salt. It's freedom. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he was like, I'm going to let you have this one. Uh, totally. And now every time a study comes out, it's like, set, like the New York Times will write about how we shouldn't be limiting salt. And I'm like, aha. He's <laughs> like, fine. I already, I already conceded this one. <laughs> That's funny. Where are you with um, limiting soda sizes in New York and that kind of stuff? Totally anti. When it comes to, like, the food thing is my, that's my trigger. And I actually think that's that's an area where liberals and conservatives can live in harmony. Like this, um, because local organic foods and that kind of thing, like delicious, interesting French cheeses that are banned by the FDA, like all this kind of stuff that if you want stuff from close to your home that is from a dairy farmer you know, if you want to drink raw milk, I'm pro all of that. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something where liberals and, and libertarians and conservatives can work together and say, hey, you probably don't need to be regulating the tomatoes that come from my neighborhood garden. So uh, that stuff really ticks me off, the foie gras. and like. In fact, I think the things that make me angriest in life are usually food-related. <laughs> like, 
the most angry I get is when there's a piece of packaging around a food that I want and I'm tired and hungry and I just want to eat and uh-huh. I can't get into it. Oh, what's the one that you hate the most? That's a formula for a temper tantrum. Um, the what worst kind of one ever. Yeah. The worst one ever was a packet of Arby's sauce <laughs> that I could not get open. And I was doing morning radio and I had been up since three o'clock and I was super hungry and I needed a nap and I basically reverted to toddler form. Uh-huh. And I was opening it in the car and I'd tried like four – I made the, the terrible mistake of eating a fry before I tried to open the packet. Mm. So you had greasy hands. And you know how that goes. And I couldn't get it open and I finally just bit down on it in rage like uh, – <laughs> Like the honey badger with the uh. snake and was like, I know this is going to go badly and I don't care. I just went, God damn it! And I like bit the head off and Arby's sauce all over the interior of the car. <laughs> but I got it. So that like – I think food might be my trigger mm-hmm. <laughs> politically and emotionally. That That's funny. Are you going to nurse? Yes. Personal that's food related question. Yeah. That's the plan. Um, I'm on board with the – all of the sort of natural notions and nutritional. I'm also on board with the helping you lose weight mm-hmm. and the part where it's free. Yeah. I really dig that. Wait, are you are you going to do natural childbirth? Uh, that's sort of the goal. Like I said, not a huge planner, but uh, my mom did three natural childbirths and I can't let her show me up, you know. <laughs> uh, so – and I think I have a little bit of sort of – I like the idea of that the challenge. challenge. Yeah. yeah. There's a little bit of that going on. Uh, and the thing that freaks me out the most is the idea of an epidural. Yeah. That actually That's what my mom had my sister pain. and me. It was natural. And that, and she said the same thing. She didn't want a needle in her spine. Yeah, that medical intern with a needle near my spine. No right. Medical, it just creeps me out. So. Yeah. Yeah. We'll uh, see what happens. I think we should do just me or everyone. Sometimes I ponder on. Oh, good. Here's a good OCD one to begin with. OCD-ish. Dan the Dodge says, Recently I've begun hiding items like a laptop prior to leaving the house for a weekend. Afraid habit will get out of hand. Is he hiding them for like – I think he's hiding them in case someone breaks in. Yeah. Um, Do you hide anything? Yeah. When I leave things in the car, I will sort of tuck them away. smart. Yeah. But yes, I could see myself getting in that mode. Like, yeah. If a robber comes in, they'll never find such and such. Right. I'm trying to think if I do any of that. You know, I don't really, but I don't. I don't think I have anything where I'd be like, oh my god, if this got. I mean, I'd be yeah. upset, but it's not like I have like a. Here's here's my gold bars. Where am I going to put them? <laughs> do you guys hide stuff in hotel rooms or use the safe? I don't even do I that. Don't. I I sort of I sort of keep things under wraps. Like I don't lay everything out there but i don't think about it very much right and then i'll see something some news report where it's like here's what happens when a valet is in your car here's what happens when you know at a hotel and it's like all sorts of stuff gets pilfered but they're all like purposely alarmist right yes that's what i like to think i believe because i want to live a chill life (laughs) i do i when i was a kid i used to this is one of the weird things i did when i was a kid i used to sleep in my closet because i thought no kidnapper is going to find me here well, that's smart. I also had a really cool closet with a lot of stuffed animals and a Garfield sleeping bag. You had a walk-in closet, didn't you? No, it wasn't walk-in. It was like under the eaves. Oh, that's so neat. it was sort of like an attic-y kind of thing. I was. We had just a one-floor boring house 
there's an attic, but it was the kind of attic that only the exterminator goes up into. I always wanted some cool, like I wanted to live in the Swiss Family Robinson treehouse. I couldn't have lived yeah. in something more opposite than you that. You know, I went to Disneyland a couple years ago and was disappointed to find that it is no longer Swiss Family Robinson. Right. It has been updated to Tarzan, I think. Yeah. That's yes, I agree. I loved the treehouse. Our house was sort of old-ish, so it had like character. Did it have a basement? Yes. Was it cool or was it scary? It was cool. Uh, you, it wasn't finished, so what we would we'd ride our bikes in a loop around <laughs> the basement. That was some big family fun as kids. That sounds fun. Yeah, Gary, do you hide stuff in hotel rooms? In hotel rooms, I definitely do, but um, not at home, really. And I don't know. My house got broken into like five times in college, so oh, wow. everything just got taken. So I just I've become immune to it. I don't know. I figure if someone's coming in, they're finding the the expensive stuff anyways. So yeah. So in a hotel room, what do you do? Use the safe or do you actually try to hide stuff? I use the safe for stuff that will fit. My mm-hmm. my computer and my old iPad wouldn't fit in there. So I just kind of try to – I don't know. I put them in – I find ridiculous places. I used to hide my iPad in like the room service menu. <laughs> nice. Yeah. That's smart, unless they take the menu. Uh, Miriam JW, I don't usually litter, but if I'm eating an apple on the go outside, I'll discreetly flick the sticker to the ground. Uh, I could see doing that maybe, but I don't think I've ever done that. Um, yeah, I mean, stickers are very small, so yeah, because you could roll it up. The one that I don't get is people will tell me that they think the apple core is littering, and I disagree on organic material. See, I figured she was going to go with the core. Yeah. I figured that's where this was going. Um, yes, that's an interesting one. I think you're right. It's probably okay. Like However, you, I, guess you don't I feel want like to people do are going to look at you like, what's wrong with you? Yeah. Well, and I guess banana peels, as we know from cartoons and yeah, that's are very dangerous. dangerous. <laughs> you don't want to go there. Yeah. Uh, Mitch Serp says, I automatically throw away uh, mail mark for resident, ex- any mail marked for resident except coupons. That's just smart. Yeah, that's just common I sense, I would throw right? those coupons away too unless you actually use them. What if – all of what if there's something really important in your resident mail and we're all missing it? Like there's a very it's possible life changing possibility in one of those envelopes. That's a risk I'm willing to take. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, we, uh, my husband was saying this is a nerdy DC thought for a moment, but that you could save the postal service by offering to let people pay not to get junk mail. Oh, that's smart. Yeah. Yes, that'd be great. I would totally pay for that. Yes. And I there are people that I don't. There are organizations that I won't give donations to that I otherwise would because they start to send me so much snail mail. Yeah. Yeah. And also uh, non-snail mail version of junk mail. Spam. Lots of that. But you can filter that a little better. Yeah. I just haven't been doing it well because I wake up and it's like, oh, 10 emails. Yeah. From Nordstrom's and World Market. (laughs) Uh, Boinkity boink. Hamburger buns were made exclusively for hamburgers. If someone makes a ham sandwich with one, it's horrific to me. No, I'm not I'm not bothered by that. I feel like, wow, innovation. Yeah, that doesn't bother me. I think you can take your food a lot of different directions. I don't eat a lot of like sandwich meat in general. Mm-hmm. I mean sandwich uh bread. bread in general. I'm one of those like I like the inside of the sandwich better, so Whatever you do is fine. Now, is that a purposefully low carb thing or that's just what you like? No, before I was pregnant, I was just sort of naturally Low carb, which I, I embraced as a blessing in yeah. my life because I, I just don't like sweets that much and I don't like bread and pasta that much. But 
since being pregnant. <laughs> this kid, I, I joked that I would think I was giving birth to a college student because it was like pizza, <laughs> cup of noodles, and candy and ice cream. And that was it, which I never ate any of those things before wow. I was pregnant. Do you have aversions? Um, I did for a while. Red wine, I would make my husband drink on the other side of the couch. <laughs> and I had a really strong nose before I was pregnant. Uh-huh. So now everything, you it's just everything. even worse. So I come into my house and I'm like, I can smell the floorboards. <laughs> There's something going on with the floorboards. <laughs> but yeah, aversions, but the, the cravings are weirder than the aversions. I haven't mm-hmm. had a lot of those. Woodlove says, I mock television commercials that are egregiously sappy or manipulative. Well, yes, everyone does, I think. Yeah. Unless, or I guess, unless like, they make you cry a little bit. Right. That happens to me too. <laughs> it happens. I, my one my one sort of crazy pregnant emotional moment, that's the other thing. I haven't been a big roller coaster, which I appreciate. Uh-huh. Uh, but I did have a moment where I was in CrossFit class and they were playing uh, Picture Me Rolling. And I thought in my head about it was sad that Tupac is no longer rolling. <laughs> <laughs> and I pictured it. And that's I almost amazing. cried a little bit. <laughs> oh, that's the best. I love that. Yeah. It so made me sad. You do CrossFit? Uh, I haven't in a little while, but I did for like the first three months of my pregnancy. Mostly physically I'm able, but the uh, the sickness just sort of threw off my schedule. So, yeah. But I've been like running a little bit and the only issue with that is the needing to pee every 400 yards. <laughs> So other How many that, times do you get up in a night to pee? Actually, at night I do pretty well. But during the day I'm trying to stay hydrated. Right. So, All right. You Wreck Me says, when I'm at a stoplight with a bag of fast food, I won't eat it if a panhandler or another driver can see me, just me. We've had this one before. Not the panhandler one, but a lot of people won't eat if they're at a stoplight and there's someone next huh. to them. No, I don't have that. I eat and sing and dance and do all sorts of things in my car. Yeah. And do you have tinted windows or are you just – No. I, I've, I and I, I take it sort of as a social responsibility to be kind of smiley in a traffic jam. Like <laughs> maybe if I am dancing, people will be more cheered up. That's so that's that's so nice. I don't do that at all. Well, it keeps my keeps yeah. my attitude better. And right. I'm hoping maybe it will rub off a little bit. Do you spend a lot of time in traffic? Not that much, thankfully. Yeah. I live close enough to the city that it doesn't. It doesn't crunch up before I get there. I feel so. like if I were to have the attitude that I'm going to be sunny and cheery in traffic, I would spend I would spend most of my life being sunny and cheery. Yes, that'd be the- a good. It'd be good actually. We don't. I don't uh, have it in me, but we don't have as much. We have a lot of traffic in DC, but I don't have to contend with it because I have weird work hours. Mm-hmm. And unlike in LA, the traffic is pretty predictable in DC, so you know if you go in at 10:30 that you'll be fine. Right. So that part we've got down. I'm lucky. All right, Matthew S. Conley says, I have at least three empty bottles of shampoo, conditioner, body wash in my shower. Just me or everyone. Yes, I do too. I do that all the time. And they just sit there. Yeah. And the trash can is like three feet away. Well, there's a couple things going on. One, bathroom <laughs> trash cans are usually small. So yes. if you put a shampoo bottle in there, then it just it's just proportionally wrong. You have to take that trash out right away. Yes. Also, I you they're they're never really empty. That's the problem. There's always a little bit that you can like fart out in your hand. Well, yeah, and I have the problem where I have not yet replaced the item. Yeah. So I'm just sitting there trying to fart out what's left because I have not gone to the CVS. I do something really stupid though, which is I actually will have a new one and the old one with the remnants in it and I'll Almost throw away the bottle and then I'll decide, no, I'm going to keep the bottle because maybe I'm going to go down to my parents and I might want to bring it with me and I can pour half in this other <laughs> bottle. Or, like, it's just silly. It's, 
My husband dumb. does a lot of like he's he's a little bit more of a forward thinker in this way, and he comes home with like three bags of cat food. Like That's look smart. what I did, and I think that is smart. Yeah, I should adopt that. Oh, even I've mentioned it before, but like every month I have to buy tampons every month, and yet it's not a surprise really that this is going to be something I'm going to need. Yeah, it's and I. Gary, we don't have to get into the period talk, but there is a little bit. I've heard you speak about this before. Yeah. There is a little bit of me that's like, how have I not mastered this yet? Yes. <laughs> like that, There's should, all of me that's like that. I should have, I should have science. this down, but I do not. And one of the greatest things about being pregnant. I bet. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Pony Loves Johnny says, I get annoyed when waiting to make a left turn behind someone and their blinker doesn't blink in sync with mine. Oh, we have gotten blinker Ooh. ones before. Um, I don't get annoyed, uh, but I do notice it. I yeah. notice the syncopation. The, that doesn't bother me. I don't like pe- hyper blinkers. That bothers me. The ones that are just really, yeah. really fast. And I do get a special satisfaction, I think everybody does, of the wiper or my blinker going in time with the music. Mm-hmm. And when it gets out of sync, I'm very bothered. Like, what happened? Which changed? <laughs> and I have to figure it out. <laughs> I here's a just mirror everyone. Uh, there's a certain tail light. I think it's a Ford car that has it where it looks like there's like webbing beneath the glass. Oh yeah, I really, I really don't like it. It's like a, it's like I have an aversion to that shape of like it's uh, dots or something. Yeah, instead it's, of... it's it's um, it looks like it looks like tripe. Have you ever been in the supermarket and you're like, I'm gonna look at the disgusting organs section? Yes. It looks like tripe. Is I think <laughs> tripe is what is like stomach lining, right? I think so. Yeah. It looks like some kind of webbing or lining in it. Like if I look at it long enough, I will begin to feel ill. It's just a weird yeah. thing that visually bothers me. All right, Smurda six 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 says I have, I have to Q-tip my ears every day, no matter what, even though nothing ever comes out anymore. Feels quite orgasmic. Well, good for oh. you. Nothing ever comes out anymore. That's weird. You cleaned yeah. them entirely forever, right? I. I don't feel the need to clean my ears very well. That might have been something that my mother neglected to teach me properly or something. I was never but, taught either. And then all of a sudden yeah. I, I realized this is what everyone uses Q-tips for. Yeah. But I and I, I don't know. I don't like the feeling of the Q-tip. I mean, they're not – my ears are not a control. They're, they're fine. <laughs> and I have long hair. So I feel like I'm not subjecting anyone to them too much. And I also will concur with you guys about the scab on your head. Oh, good. <laughs> I am totally into that and very excited when it happens. So it doesn't happen very often. Not nearly enough. No, yeah. it really was a sitting in school thing for me. Yeah. It was like I was sitting in school and my fingers would graze. Sitting in school <laughs> and then also when I was, you know, like five years ago or something when I was not in school. I'm not a scab picker anywhere else. Oh, no, no, like, no. It grosses me, neither. me out anywhere yes, else. me too. For some reason, th- yeah. I think when I realized that what was going on was I was picking scabs off my head. These are the same scabs that you'd find everywhere. No. Then it was totally gross. <laughs> Don't yeah. let it ruin it for you. Oh, I won't. Somehow the fact that it's in the hair yeah. makes it a whole, totally different thing. It's but exhilarating. Yeah, no, like someone who's like picking a scab elsewhere, it totally yeah. grosses me my out. My husband is a scab picker and I'm a little... It's it's healing. Leave yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. you're making it worse. And yet somehow on your head, even though that is what you're doing, just it's just pleasant. Yeah. You I'm, know, it's I'm it's really it's really coagulation at its finest. <laughs> because that that's like my point of view. Coagulation at its, at its finest. finest. Because you know that, is that just brand. give it six hours and you're gonna have a whole new crop of stuff to pick out. Yeah. 
Someone tweeted me recently and said, even better than picking a scab off your head was like a neck zit or something. I was like, oh. no, not no, at all. No. That's wrong. That's have painful. You ever, have you ever considered that, like, I? it occurred to me that if I ever, like, shaved my head or something, I may have scars on my head as a result <laughs> of picking the scabs too many times? <laughs> Like that, that seriously that is dis- could be an disturbing issue. Tragic. Thought. Yes. That yeah. could be a problem for me you in like have, 50 yeah. or 60 years. You could have yeah. ruined all this all the beautiful beauty, dome. The majesty. <laughs> um, what happens to bald people? Do they not they they don't know the joy we're talking about? Yeah, I guess not. Oh. Well, there's there are fans out there who will say that that bald people will still get scabs on their heads, but the point yeah. is the hair. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's the, the action hair. is important. I think I don't think fans I don't think all the fans get that that's the joy. Yeah. No, some fans don't get it at all. <laughs> but ones who do, they really, really do. Yeah. Um, I can throw in one. Uh, a JMO. Okay. Um, I <laughs> feel very passionately, and I'm sure this is some OCD thing as well, about throwing things out together so that they can be friends. <laughs> uh, I, <laughs> a friend of mine, because she knows I have this tick, did this just to torture me took a shoe that was broken to a sh- to a cobbler yeah a cobbler right and uh he couldn't fix it so on her way back she just threw out the one shoe in a public <laughs> trash can and then came back and threw the other shoe in another trash can and to this day it breaks my heart <laughs> i can't you can't let it go in my head they just should they've been abandoned by their owner yeah they should be together and so like i'll put if I'm throwing out a suitcase like I did last week, I'll put something with the suitcase that maybe <laughs> maybe they've traveled together before and they shall travel again to the dump. Now, do you ever <laughs> – what happens though if like you have – thrown out some friends and one gets recycled and one doesn't? Or do you uh, – It's not constant. It's more like uh, it's more like durable goods mm-hmm. that maybe I'm donating or throwing out. Like a pair of shoes definitely has to go together. Occasionally in the past, I'll drop like a piece of candy and I'm like, oh, it needs a friend. It's <laughs> candy on the ground. So if it's like a Kleenex, though, that can go. Yeah, I feel like I'd be okay with that. Yeah, like not every piece of toilet paper needs a friend. <laughs> well, <laughs> if, it's two pl- if it's two ply, it actually has its own friend, and it's going a direction where like other toilet paper lives. <laughs> I love this. Have you done this your whole life? Yes, that and is- uh, many members of my family do the same thing. So it must be a. It must be a thing. I don't. I don't know. But That's amazing. Like there's a there's an IKEA. I think it's an IKEA commercial based on it where they take out a sad lamp. They have the sad music over uh-huh. it, and they give up the lamp and put it on the side of the road, and then it rains on the sad lamp, and my heart is breaking. And then a guy comes on the screen and says with a funny accent, like, "This lamp is not alive. It has no feelings." <laughs> and then they have a new lamp, and it's an IKEA lamp. Mm-hmm. That's me. I'm the person who thinks about that lamp. I feel like now I'm going to be. I do. There, I did have trouble throwing away a sock that had holes in it one time a long time oh, ago because yeah. I was like, I just, I don't know. I, I felt weirdly attached suddenly. This might have. It's a little bit hoardery, and I, I think it has roots in the Brave Little Toaster a little bit, a a, a movie of our era that sort of like personified all these yeah. things for me. I, oh, I do. Fi- I mean, in general, I will attach emotions and feelings to a lot of things that obviously don't have them. Yeah. So yeah. Well, thank you so much. Wait, do you have a Hey, Go Fuck Yourself? That is a segment we do. I don't um, have one at the ready, but... I will give a general one to, as I was speaking of earlier, when I am expressing something or writing something or talking about something, 
that is not politics related and you go all blowhardy on me and tell me that I shouldn't discuss it because it's not important, I say, hey, go fuck yourself. Hey, 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 go fuck yourself. Thank you so much for doing my show. This Thank was super you. fun. I really enjoyed it. And uh, I did want to say, like, I think not to get all like political about it, but I think it's cool. Like, I think to hang out with you and have this discussion is a reflection of how you can be a normal person and you can have differing views and you can live as normal people do and enjoy each other's company. And it happens all the time in the real world. And we sort of like need to focus on that sometimes. And, uh, I encourage everyone to give it a try. (laughs) No, I agree. I actually, I just, I, I, my column this week I wrote with, uh, about, about, um, the way the way everyone has become so extreme and certain with their opinions and i feel like that's a like the media is push you know forces that to happen yeah. but the truth is that everyone is is definitely you know shades less absolute and so what happens is yes. you, you turn on the tv and it's like all these opinions that aren't even recognizable anymore cuz they they have been forced they're so exaggerated. Yeah, most people are hybrids. Yeah. And that's something that I learned growing up and it's important to communicate that way and to sort of make connections with the things that you agree on and not to caricature the other side so much and it's it makes things healthier and more enjoyable and yeah. you don't have to like say that you're not going to eat a certain spinach because someone donated to whatever. That's Right. <laughs> It's very freeing. <laughs> oh, I was going to – can I plug a little bit? Yes, please. For my employers. I am on Twitter. I'm MK Hammer. Uh, and I never get mixed up with MC Hammer. I keep hoping people are going <laughs> to tweet me, but it never happens. Uh, I write at hotair.com, which is a libertarian-leaning politics site. Uh, if you dig politics or you like libertarians, you'll enjoy it. And I'm working on it. When is this going to air? Um, in a few weeks. I'm not quite okay. sure of the date yet. I'll give myself a deadline. I'm working <laughs> on a little uh, side project that is non-political um, that's called – it's at thenotsomuch.com, like the not K-N-O-T. Okay. The not so much. Uh, which is an idea that I had and partly listening to you do wedding prep about – and when I went through wedding prep, like this idea that you sort of become this weird person and you have all these feelings and thoughts and co- concerns you've never had before. Uh-huh. Getting in touch with that and sort of like a spoofy, fun wedding blog. So I'm going to oh, give I that a try. can't wait to read that. I'm giving that a try. And this is a good way to give myself a kick in the ass about it. I love that. I'm excited to read that. Um, well, thank you again. This was super fun. Enjoyed it. And you can follow me on Twitter at Allison Rosen. You can follow Gary at G. Patrick Smith. You can follow the show's Twitter feed at A-R-I-Y-N-B-F. And if you're going to buy something on Amazon, which you are because they have everything, why not click the banner on my website? It doesn't cost you anything extra, and it does help out the show. And that's at AllisonRosen.com. Also, we have a ringtone that is available. Hey, 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 go fuck yourself can also be a text tone. It's pretty necessary for your life and for your phone. Uh, and you can get that by searching Hey Go Fuck Yourself from your iPhone. Just search the iTunes store. Okay, thank you for listening. I love you guys. Bye. Hey, do you know about the Allison Rosen Show? Alison Rosen is your new best friend. That's right.